Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's. If you have questions or you're an entrepreneur who wants to be on the podcast, you can reach out to us on Instagram, direct message. We don't answer emails, really, guys, and everything's done over Instagram or the phone number that's on our Instagram account, and you can text that and we can start a conversation about whether you want to be on the podcast or I can integrate your questions into the questions that I ask the entrepreneurs as we do the podcast. So that being said, I have a very special guest with us. This guest came totally by word of mouth recommendation, which is really cool. Um, Anna Lee Schlossberg of Bell Fries. How are you? Did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Um, so Annalie, tell us about your story. Like, how did you get in the food space? Like sort of what's your background, your, the family you grew up in, are you from New York and, um, and sort of the journey that led you to opening your own food establishment? Yeah. So I, I am born and raised in New York city. Um, and I would say, I didn't know that I wanted to go into hospitality before college. I would say it was middle of college where I realized that was my passion. Um, and my dad is also an entrepreneur. So, and I knew that I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, we sat down and we were like, what could I do in hospitality? How can I start my own thing? Um, and we really looked into like, what is scalable? What's easy? What does everyone love? That's universal among cultures. Um, so then we got on the idea of Belgian fries. Um, and so all over Europe, I don't know if you guys know this, but all over Europe, you know, Amsterdam, Belgium, they have street shops and all they sell are cones of fries and, you know, an array of maybe 20 to 50 different sauces. Um, and they're wildly popular all over Europe. It's the main snack there. And they have chain stores, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them. It's a staple all over Europe. So we're like, if this works in Europe, why has there never been a chain of fry shops in America? Um, and so we, we th you know, got into it a little bit more, thought about it uh, more intensely. And we were like, you know, this concept, it's simple, it's scalable. Everyone loves fries. Um, you really can't go wrong. Um, so we, you know, we pulled the trigger and we decided to open our first flagship location about two and a half years ago now. Um, and my dad has a separate company. So really when we opened, um, we, I am, I fully run the show. I'm the CEO he does his other company and I am, you know, this is my full-time, um, company, my own. And so, yeah, that was kind of, that's kind of how it's all started. So let's go back to the thing about the, the fritas, because it is important. I, I never pronounce anything correctly. So there's that whole thing as some, some would say I have a speech impediment because I just, I have my accents are all over the place and, and mm -hmm. everything else because I've lived everywhere. But the, um, it is true, the Europeans, and this works in the New York market and is going to work in all markets, including Nashville, I believe, just based on 
how much everyone's starting to walk everywhere in cities. Mm-hmm. It's the food on the go. It's not to go. It's like on the go or going to yep. going because you're going with it. And that's the part of the cone and why the fries are that way. And we see things like chicken and waffle cones and things like that yep. that are becoming popular. So I love mm-hmm. this concept and I love what you're doing. So let's talk about your menu and how you developed it. Like, And what's the difference between a Belgian fry and a French fry, I guess, would be the other question. But let's talk about your menu yeah. and then that question in particular. Okay. So, yeah. So basically our menu, um, when we started open two and a half years ago, our menu was very simple. We had three sizes, small, medium, large cone, um, and we had... 15 different artisanal sauces that we make in-house daily. Um, And everyone loved our fries raving about it, but we weren't seeing the volume of sales that we wanted to. Um, And, you know, with more and more research on my end, I'm like, how can I increase the volume of sales? And so what I realized is that, yes, everyone loves this as a snack food, but people are really looking for a lunch or like a bigger meal that they can that they can have rather than just grabbing a snack. So what we are what I found out was that like late night, you know, from midnight to five a.m. Um, on weekends is when we're, we're our busiest because it's like munchy food. All the drunk people love it. That's when it's our busiest. But I was like, how can I increase sales during the daytime? from 1 p.m. to, you know, 10 p.m. How can I increase that? So what I did was I added some other items to the menu besides fries. But everything on the menu has fries in it. So the menu has, like, everything on the menu is 90% fries, and then the other 10% is the other items. So I added, you know, popcorn chicken and fries, which is now one of our most, our top sellers. I added a chicken sandwich. I added mozzarella sticks and fries. Um, I added different fry specialties, like a double truffle, a blackened Cajun, um, queso and bacon. And adding all of these kind of heavier meals onto the menu um, definitely attracted more customers for those daytime sales. So now we're pretty steady throughout the entire day. And then even into the nighttime um, when, you know, the bars let out and all the, everyone, you know, drinking and smoking in the area are also coming for the munchy food. So that's how I capitalized on both the daytime business and the nighttime business. Yeah. And um, in the, I like this because you've, you've adjusted the menu. So how did you come up with the creativity of the items? Um, what did you go to I mean did you go to school what was it in was it in food and and does it translate in any any way in what you're doing um I guess would be one question and in doing what you're doing how do you find the creativity how do you do the menu development and the recipe development I mean is it all coming from you yes so um my menu development we actually have a a chef who works um throughout the week and he makes all of our sauces um, and it's our own recipes and everything. Um, So I had him come up with all of the new menu items. um, And we also did multiple taste tests with um, out like, 
you know, random customers on the street, but also people that we know and are in the industry deciding, you know, what tastes the best and what makes the most sense to add to the menu. Um, so definitely trial and error to decide what we officially put on the menu. And then, sorry, what was the other question? We can ask, uh, what's the difference between a Belgian fry and a French fry? Yeah, so Belgian, so basically Belgian fries, um, fries actually originated in Belgium, not France. So the, the way that Belgians make their fries, they're thicker cut, twice fried, and then salted. So very simple fry, but they're thicker cut and fried twice. Um, and so basically the whole reason that we're Belgian fries is because we're renaming French fries to Bell fries. We want to give the right country the credit um, and kind of really rename French fries to Bell fries. And that's where the name of our business came from. And also that's what Bel Belgian fries are. Very cool. And so um, let's just jump to the next question. Like as an entrepreneur, like as, a, I mean, you're doing well, you're growing a business. How, who inspires you? How do you find inspiration? Like what gives you purpose to keep going every day? Because like, it's yeah. difficult, right? You went through probably COVID a little bit here and there as you were starting a business and things like that. So, yeah, I, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur run my own business I find a lot of excitement and passion in you know having my own idea running it through fruition and then and then you know seeing the results from it um my dad who I mentioned is an entrepreneur really had a great impact on me growing up um I always wanted to follow in his footsteps as being a leader um and now that I am a leader, it's, it's more difficult than I would have ever expected. You know, problems, are, especially in the hospitality in industry, problems that you can't even anticipate arise every single day. And what I have learned throughout the years of being in the hospitality industry is like, no matter how good you are at what you do, there's always going to be problems and the only way to move forward is to like face those problems head on and don't let them get you down, but really just try to problem solve as best as you can every single day. And that's the, that's really like the only way that you can move forward in this industry and be successful. And I think it's true for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? If you're not providing solutions every day, you're really not being an entrepreneur at that point because that's the whole entrepreneurial journey is that ingenuity that constant ingenuity that constant solving problems and yeah. um so let me go back to the question that sort of i think we got off is um is oh man i had it and then i lost it again i'm going to jump to another question the okay. we were talking about motivation and inspiration like like what do your best days look like what do your worst days look like because i think new york city is a different animal you also have nighttime business which is is important you talked about the smoking and the drinking which is you know part of the culture now everywhere i'm being in denver most of the time in my previous life i understand that and the importance of food and mm -hmm. so um what does that look like how do you know how do you describe your days i mean are there good days are there bad days what does the worst day look like you know how, how do you grow through a hardship um stuff like that 
Yeah, so I would say um, good days really look like, well, six months out of the year are way busier than the other six months. So I would say, you know, May 1st through through October 31st, the warmer half of the year, is extremely busy. Um, We're doing off-site events. We have pop-ups. The store itself is very busy throughout all through the whole day through the whole night um and then so I would say those are those are the better days um you know when things are just bustling 24 7 I would say that the worst days and the slower days are through throughout the winter um I I think that you know most restaurants or food places in New York City suffer um throughout the winter months people don't go out as much they're staying in they're ordering in um cooking and so i'd say when it's slower and we're not doing as much sales that's when i'm like okay what am i doing wrong when it's really not something i'm doing wrong but really just like the weather people aren't out and about as much um especially because we're street food right so we get a lot of foot traffic and when people aren't walking around as much and people aren't going out as much to the bars and the clubs throughout the winter months, um, we're in turn less busy. Um, and I would say another, another thing that, um, you know, on my worst days that I've had to deal with, we get a lot of, um, drunk, rowdy and aggressive people. Um, so it's difficult and worrisome for me when, I have my employees working and I always have to be worried like, you know, what customer is going to cause a ruckus today and what, what, like, how do I make sure that my employees are always safe at all times? Um, So that is definitely a big worry to me. And I agree with that, especially um, in those environments, the nighttime environments. And we, I see it here in Nashville and I lived in New York city for a long time in Queens and mm-hmm. had rush, restaurant businesses and in the restaurant space and food trucks and, and things like that and consulting. But I do agree with you that um, that there is a lot of unknown times. That's not always, but there's unknown times where just the right crowd, the right mix, the right amount of alcohol and the right amount of drunken bravery leads to a bad situation. And, yeah. um and I do agree with that as a, as a food entrepreneur or a bar entrepreneur or a beverage entrepreneur, however your space looks at, yeah, the, the worrying about yeah. your employees is the number one thing. Exactly. And it's hard for me because it's like, the, you know, those late night hours when people are out and drinking and at the bars, that's our busiest time. But it's also the most dangerous time. Um, so it's like, where does that leave me? It's like, do I close during that time? Do I stay open during that time with security? Like, you know, what is the best answer? So it's definitely been a process figuring out what works the best for us um, throughout the, the past few years. Yeah, and I don't, we don't need to dive into it, but I just think that you're 100% correct. I think that a lot of businesses that are now open late night are now in this situation where they're having to take security precautions that aren't part of a normal business cycle in the food space, um, just because it's changed, the dynamic changed. Um, and it's like, you know, I, of course, I want security there, but 
we're not selling alcohol. Like we're not doing the same amount of revenue that those bars are doing who can afford security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about it that way, but yes, I, I mean, it makes complete sense. And the margins aren't the same as alcohol. Nothing makes margins like alcohol and beverages. Yeah, exactly. So, um, let's, uh, let's switch topics for a second. What are your, what's your favorite fry combo? What is the best seller that you guys have? Like, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what do you see customers generally go for the most? Yeah. So our, classic bell fries are our most popular um and then people tend to get like three sauces on the side with that i'd say our most popular sauces are definitely black truffle mayo uh roasted garlic aioli and probably the third one would probably be smoky chipotle um and then another another very popular item we have is the popcorn chicken and fries especially with the late night crowd yeah, I that I would. French fries are definitely a great late night food. It's better than pizza, I think, and um, and I like the chicken as well. I think just we're in an era where chickens seeing a comeback. Chicken sandwiches, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. I just think that it's just one of those things. Even with the rising costs of chickens and eggs, yeah. um, we're gonna see the the comeback there as everything swings the other direction. Um. Talk to me about your relationship with your dad as an entrepreneur. Like, what are some of the things you admire of him as a leader and as an entrepreneur? What are some of the things that you feel that you've been able to take on as a leader and entrepreneur from him and maybe grow from? Yeah. um, Well, you know, growing up, he almost all of our dinners and every vacation, everything, we were always talking about business everything he would discuss all his problems that he would be having he would be discussing all the like the whole money situation it was very um our our family is very business oriented yeah same here I think I learned a lot from that growing up in it um and I think overall my dad has he actually said this quote to me um, maybe a year ago now, um, that really stuck with me. He said, jump into the swimming pool and then learn how to swim. And I think that really, really resonates with me. Um, it kind of means like, you know, just do it and then figure it out once you already are, are in it. Don't like try to figure it out and then sleep on it and then figure it like, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but it's almost it's the same as like building the plane as you're flying it. But yes, I agree with yeah. you 100 percent. And I use that analogy all the time myself in my entire life, um, being that I watched everyone not jump in or, or analyze it. And what I learned yeah. now, like many, many companies later and many, many businesses later, is that it's definitely a failure if you don't jump in the pool. And it's definitely yeah. never the way you plan it. Like it, there's mm-hmm. no exactly. way you could plan out the perfect scenario, and oh, no, not at all. And even in the military, where they plan out ventures to the T, like they never go that way. Obviously, they have to adjust and they have to pivot. And then once the troops are on the ground, the troops on the ground are pivoting the plan um, to try to stay within the greater plan. And it's the same thing in business. I find it's you have a greater plan of where you're trying to go, but the the microscopic pieces of the plan 
are great at the beginning to try to get a launching point. But once you hit the water and you're in the pool, it's a totally different game trying to swim and learn to keep your business afloat. And so I like the analogy. What are what do you admire about him? Like, what are some of the qualities that you think that really resonate with you? Like, you're like, oh, my gosh, he's really good at this. Um, definitely just being a leader and and being able to, you know, hold the attention of a room at all times. People really look like everyone in his company looks up to him. And also he is very, is, is a very good negotiator, which is really important in business. Um, and, and I've definitely um, learned from his negotiation skills um, with Bell Fries. And it's helped me with Bell Fries a lot. And let's talk about like your skills and your leadership skills. Like what are some of the things that you're trying to do with your team or your employees, like to be a leader, to make sure that they get through these tougher times. Like we talked about previously or the hard times, like what are like, how do you, or what are things maybe you've learned from your dad that you're implementing? For example, what are some of those things? Like, how are you leading? Cause I yeah. think it's so important. But- I think that the main, the main, um, I think lesson I want to give to my employees is I want them to work hard, but also have fun while they're doing it. And not only is that going to make, like, have them enjoy their job, um, and helping each other out and everything, but when a customer comes in and sees that they're working hard, but also having fun doing it and being with each other, that's the best sort of sentiment that they can, that the customer can see um, and really creates a great experience for both my employee and the customer. I like that a lot. And I think that's um, perfect. And like the delivering of the customer service, the experience to the client, especially in New York City, because mm-hmm. there's so much competition there. I feel like you're in a hyper competitive environment. There's a lot of different hardships there. It's a lot more expensive to do business there. Yeah. So you're just, but you grew up there. You saw your father doing business there. So it's something you're accustomed to in some ways, but other ways you're learning. Um, but I would say you have a lot of mental toughness. And I think that's important, uh, particularly. Um, an entrepreneur in New York City or in any major highly competitive city. What is your favorite part like about like the 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 being of an entrepreneur or the the customers you deal with or the employees like what do you enjoy about all of that the most? Yeah, my favorite part is definitely having an idea and seeing it come to fruition. Um, and then seeing the sales come in from that, like watching it in real time um, from that initial idea that I had is really, really awesome. Um, I think that it is my, that is my favorite part because I work so hard to, you know, make those things come to fruition. And, and once I see it, it's really like, wow, this paid off. 
agree with that 100%. I'm very the same way. I like creating something and then seeing what happens with the results. I'm not tied to the outcome necessarily, but I like to see how it does and um, see how it moves forward. So, excuse me, the, where do you want this to go? Like, what do you want the future to hold? Is this something you want to build across the country, across the world? Like, what's your vision? So it's interesting because um, if you were to ask me two years ago, I would have a completely different idea of what I would say now. Um, And I think that it's going to be never, it's always going to be changing the idea of where I think this company is going to go. But at the moment, um, I have a pretty solid idea of what I want to do. So as you know, Bell Fries is a street food. And when I added all of the other items onto the menu, it, it got more complicated. We needed more equipment. And yes, that increased sales, but it made it less simple and it made it less scalable than I would, than I originally intended. So in order to, you know, go back to that just having fries and sauces in cones um i want to take the direction of the entire company into food carts and so i don't know if you know like the nathan's hot dog food carts all over the city or the waffles and dinges carts yes i Um, love this idea waffles and dinges is belgian waffles we're doing belgian fries so it's, it's a very similar Um, concept but so my goal is to take bell fries in and franchise it in food carts around the city Um, because it's a street food people are going to go grab their cone of fries and go on with their day um, as they're walking on the sidewalk and I want it to be a staple in New York City Um, and when I franchise out those carts you know, I'm going to be able to expand into other states and then eventually other countries. So that's my goal at the moment, Um, to not have more brick and mortar stores, but to have food carts all over the city because I can do one, the same amount of sales. All I, all I need is a fryer and I can, and I'm not paying any rent. Um, And it really, it really cuts those overhead expenses with the food cart. I really, it's, um, it's so funny because normally we talk a lot about soft costs on this podcast, but like, I'm totally like, like intrigued and my adrenaline's going over, like you're talking about costs and expansion and scaling in a very strategic financial way. And it's like, okay, like this is totally my realm and I get all excited Mm -hmm. about it. Um, and you're 100% correct about everything you're saying, which is why, it's like, okay, like I'm getting pumped up because you're going in exactly the right direction with your thought process. Like, I agree with you. And here's also why. Cities like Nashville, where I'm in right now, at night, there's thousands upon thousands of people that spill off Broadway out of the honky-tonks and they're building more. Like the next honky-tonk like that they're building, Eric Church's honky-tonk is probably going to be the biggest one there is. Like the thing's massive. And, you know, Garth Brooks is finishing his. But... Everyone spills out on the streets and they there's hot dog carts everywhere right now. Like the hot dog boom in this city 
and the hot dog cart boom in this city and the food truck boom in general has been huge, but particularly the hot dog carts down on Broadway, which is the main strip where all the honky tonks are, um, which is where all the tourism mainly is late at night, at least Thursday through Sundays, every night for sure. But those four nights, it's like crazy. But there is no Belgian fry place or even French fry or wherever you want to look at it that serves that idea that's to go and there's and all there is is hot dogs here and that's most cities in the united states the only to go food or to going food they have is hot dogs so go ahead i'm sorry annalee oh sorry you want no you can you can finish no i just i didn't know if you wanted to add in something there but i was i was just gonna add in like where i'm at right now with the food cart yeah yeah go ahead and getting that started so um on on november 1st i said to one of my coworkers, i said it was just an idea we said i want a food cart out on the streets by december 1st one month and I was going back and forth on the idea before November 1st. I was going back and forth on the idea. I didn't know if it was the right idea. I didn't know how the logistics was going to work before, like with it, we need it. You know, we need to take the van and drop it off. And I don't have an employee to work the cart and the whole thing. And he just said to me, he said, shut up. You're buying the cart today. And I went over to like the cart dealer and I gave him a check and I bought it that day after toying with, with the idea for months. And from the day I bought it to the day it was on the street um, with an employee completely wrapped in our brand, um, got all the equipment inside of it, um, got everything set up. It, I took one month from November 1st to December 1st. Um, and I'd say, you know, seeing that final product of this food cart, my first food cart was definitely one of my best days so far. Um, and so, so that was December 1st. We're now, you know, two months since that date and it has been an experience so far with this food cart. We, uh, originally I wanted to put it in front of like, I originally, originally I wanted to put it in front of bars and clubs and concerts. Um, and so we did that for a couple weeks and I was like, why am I not seeing the sales that I want to see? And I realized after like really looking into it, I realized people are only leaving the club for maybe an hour, hour and a half or like the concert for an hour and an hour and a half. So it takes, I have to do all of my sales that I want for the whole day in that hour, hour and a half. And that's why I wasn't seeing enough sales. So then I was like, okay, I need to put this out for the whole day, you know, more hours in service. And I'm going to put it in Times Square uh, or Rockefeller Center or Bryant Park. So then I had my my guy who's running the cart. I have him put it in those spots. And, you know, in those spots, there's extremely high foot traffic. But there's also a lot of other vendors. And so we were putting it out in those spots and every single day vendors, the other vendors would be coming up to us, like move your cart or we'll move it for you, like surrounding us. Like this 
the food cart business is no joke. Like yep. there, it's a whole other world that I had no idea. I was going to ask about that because it's like entering the food truck world sometimes in some cities. Yeah. So they kept every time we would put it out, they were, they were like all over us attacking us. We couldn't do business because they were like threatening us. So we're, then I'm like, okay, well this isn't going to work. Now I'm like, okay, where else can we put the cart? And we decided to put it in Soho, like on on Spring and Wooster Street. Um, Soho has a lot of foot traffic, but not the volume that um, that Times Square has. However, there's no competition. There's no other vendors. Um, we're not just, we don't just look like another hot dog cart on the corner. We look like a trendy Belgian fry cart in Soho and there we have no competition so no one's taking our business from us and no one's giving us a hard time um so we found a good spot there for day business in Soho that we're staying in um and and now we're trying to find like a good night spot in Soho this is incredible. I like this, and I like that it's a the blue ocean strategy that actually went over. Like I, I one hundred percent would have done the same thing, like gone into the New York market. But I, in my previous experience and just being in New York in general, it's so like they're very protective of each other, and it's a very there's a lot of this in the world. I don't know how to other any other word, but old boy networks, and mm-hmm. where they're very protective. And I don't know why it's just predominantly male. I think that's why it's called boy. But it's um, in these networks, unfortunately. But it's yeah. It's interesting that you. But it did force you in a direction that gave you a better brand. It represents your brand much better, I feel, and it allows you to elevate Belgian fries above French fries, for lack of a better term. To truly, like everything that comes out of Belgium is just better anyway. The Belgian waffle, you know, it's yeah. you know chocolate. It's just better. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think that it's elevating something, and I like that a lot. And I like that it, by nature of just having to be an entrepreneur and use ingenuity and try to figure out a different solution, you ended up in a blue ocean, which I can't imagine a better place, yeah. actually, now that you just said it, because there are there's never any food carts down there, and it's just yeah. such an up-and-growing, trending area. And since COVID are at least leading up to COVID, a lot of that area just turned into a lot of um, shops and things like that down mm-hmm. there and all that area. So a lot of people go down there and I think the over the last decade is the uh, the L or whatever the that used to be the train. And so people go walk that stuff. And I think that's all down there, if I remember correctly. It's been a few years since I lived in New York City, like eight years or nine years. But mm-hmm. um, and, go ahead. Yeah. Being in Soho, it it really, like, it all just clicked and made a lot of sense. Like, we're not just another hot dog cart. We're a trendy cone of Belgian fries. And so it was all about, you know, being trendy and doing the next up-and-coming high-end thing. And that's really our brand. And it fits perfectly. Um, yeah. So we're, we're really happy in this location right now. And the cart thing is the way it's going to go like i said chicago los angeles like austin texas miami. nashville tennessee yeah miami 
these are all now become very what I would call walking cities and it's very important mm-hmm. because we should be walking more as humans but the more yeah. expensive parking gets the more we try to cram cars in it just doesn't work and we can walk and we can eat and we can actually what's also happening if you in the European cities is if you actually go to cities in Europe you walk the cities and you try different food while you're walking along yeah, the exactly. way and maybe you sit down for a you know a split a sandwich or a baguette with salami and mm-hmm. whatever arugula but that's about all that's on there and um but you're you're bouncing around and that's the way we're going in the food trends and that's the way cities i even think kansas city's starting to go that way we're starting to see a lot of people start to get a little more mobile and walk around you know st louis and in the downtown areas as they gentrify you know things like that or Mm -hmm. whatever the term is now that's what it was when i went to school 20 years ago but it's um it's that type of thing that's going on and your concept is exactly what's needed and i feel yeah. like i don't know how old you are but i'm you're young and i know that you're really driven and you have such a long life ahead of you and you have the right parents because i had entrepreneurial parents that instilled in me and i grew up in an italian family and it was just like business was everything we discussed yeah. all the time whether it was the farm or the food and so like it just was everything and my parents you know did two separate businesses so go ahead so yeah what i'm what i wanted to mention was my dad is in the fashion industry so knows nothing about the like food and beverage knows nothing about hospitality um so i kind of went into this like blind like i really did not know anything um, I just thought it was a cool concept and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and about a year ago from today, I met this guy who is now my mentor slash partner who's been in the restaurant industry for the last 30 years. Um, he's my right hand man. Um, he has basically taught me everything that I need to know and given me the confidence to expand this company. His name is Hafid and I really want to give him the, like the credit um, for everything that he has given me so far and has taught me so far um, because I wouldn't be where I am today without him at all. Maybe we could do another episode of part two with both you guys. Yeah, I would love to. He he'd be more than happy to. All right, so and I will definitely get that set up. I wanted to talk about that was a twist, okay? <laughs> the fashion thing. It explains why it explains why the difference in your mentality, why the showtime aspect a little bit of your business, of your Instagram, of the way you present things, there's a difference in the way you approach it. People from food um and food entrepreneurs we always forget about the show business or what I call showtime. Like, it's no different than Mary Giuliani cleaning up all the subways, you know, and starting to clean up the subways and getting rid of the graffiti. It was showtime every time, you know, and start with the subways, make them look mm-hmm. good, and then the rest of the city will start looking good and give pride. And it's a little bit what you've done with your business. And even with hardships or or things that get hard, you generally have risen up and been able to take that business and use it as a showtime to better your business. I, for lack of a better term, like moving to Soho, like 
trouble, trouble, trouble. Well, now I get to be the star of the show. Exactly. You know? And so it's very cool, and it's still in shark-infested waters. It's just strategically different in that we often think that being an entrepreneur is working hard, yes, but it's working smart also, and it doesn't mean just constantly trying to shove the square peg in the circular hole. You know, if we have a good idea, which may be our peg. We just need to find a different hole and whatever would be a better terminology. That probably didn't come out right, but it is what I'm trying to say. So the um, I am going to set up another one with you, Anna Lee, and your current partner, because I think that's important that we talk about the restaurant space yeah. and stuff like that. If there's anything you wanted to share with entrepreneurs um, or People that have been, I, go ahead. You might want to cut this out, but there's like a lot more that I have to say about the growth of the business. Okay, so let's just go into that. We don't need to cut it out at all. Let's go into the growth of the business. Okay, so um, I'm actually opening my second permanent or semi-permanent location in May um, at South Street Seaport. We're going to be like, it's going to be a permanent location at this massive outdoor bar um on may 1st so that's that's like kind of the big so really we opened a cart and now we're opening a another location at the seaport in may so there's in the span of six months we basically are opening two other entities which is huge yeah, very cool. Uh, do you plan on maybe doing any other carts also? Is that in the horizon? As Yeah, the- so, so we actually also have an event and like street fair business. So that we that brought in a huge amount of revenue last summer. Um, and I was like, wow, this is it. Like next summer, I'm going to do this every single day. And this summer, I'm like, that was great. But now I kind of want to put my energy into opening more carts. So it's like every year there's, I have a new vision for like the growth and expansion of the company. So yes, I think that I'm going to put my energy and focus into opening more carts rather than focusing on like doing events and street fairs. Um, I've spent a lot of time at the South Street Seaport um, in New York back right. in the day. Cause I used to, we used to have a place on 23rd and like first, which is like Waterside Plaza. Yeah. yeah. Um, but will you explain to the audience what Southside street port is and why you chose to put a location there out of all places in New York? So South street seaport, it, um, I think in the last couple of years, it's become really, trendy they've opened a lot of restaurants they've completely redone it they opened a huge concert venue there um and there's this massive outdoor bar in the middle of the street and and during the summer you know there's crazy amount of walking traffic there people are always at the bar and i actually had no idea what i wanted to do there i was just like i want bell fries to be here i didn't know if i wanted it to be in a you know a space on the side a rental location or like put a cart in the middle i had no idea but i dm'd the seaport and i said like i'm interested in opening bell fries here um like let me know who i should speak with and whatnot 
they didn't answer for like five five times finally they're like okay we'll put you in touch I kept reaching out again and again and again all about persistence then they're like okay finally they're like we'll put you in touch with um we'll give your email to to the people in charge so then I had a meeting with uh, the people who the Howard Hughes Corporation, which they run all of the real estate at the seaport. Um, I had a meeting with them. We still didn't know where we would put Belfries, and we had an on-site meeting deciding what to do. Man- many, many more meetings after that. We finally decided we're going to put like the tra- a trailer at the bar in the middle, and we're going to be the only food snack for the whole bar um and so that's how that went down i'm extremely excited so badass i love this that's occurring in may so we're trying to get everything in motion i need to hire a whole new team i need to hire a new you you know maybe a new manager i a second manager because i have one at the store um you know, figure out a new chef for the second location, more storage. Um, It's a whole new operation, you know, where we're going to get the trailer right now. We're thinking about getting it from China. So that's really like where my main focus is right now, because it's three months away and we need to get the ball rolling on that. Um, So yeah, that's, that's what's happening. That's uh, that's really cool, and the trailer I agree with, and I it's just things move so quickly once the ball starts rolling, and yeah. I think you're on a really great path, and it's just so cool to meet you, and I know you've probably been through a lot of hardships trying to get this business off the ground. It's not easy, and and I know in my own experience trying to get a late night whether even it's to go or business or bar business or whatever it is where like patrons come in and are disruptive like crazy it's hard to start a business in that world like there's a lot of money in the late night food game but it's hard to start there and i like what you did which was start a lunch menu and and start more of a and add the chicken and make it more than just nighttime and now it's built into this thing that you have a cart and it's down on soho and it can it's probably there all the time you know depending Mm -hmm. on the hours and now you have something at south street seaport which i mean I agree with you. It couldn't be more trendy right now. And I, and being in Nashville and understanding the importance of having live music now in venues in the way the world is, it's why Live Nation has so many venues around the world. Even while yeah. you see artists go from like 10,000 person venue or 18,000 person venue all the way down to like a 200 person venue is because of this new trending we're seeing which is food and music together also but also it doesn't matter the size of the space the artists are are touring based on you know availability and ability to get through places and not have to jump from here to there oh i can do one big concert in a city and a few small ones which is where the food is and and south street and you can get smaller bands and stuff in there which I think you're going to do very well. And what better food to go in a bar than French fries, honestly, because it's perfect. Yeah. And, and like the concept is just so, it is, is really so easy and scalable to put anywhere because we don't need a full kitchen. All we need is one fryer. That's it. And so it's, 
it's really, I think it's going to be big. Um, I'm going to make sure it's big, actually. I have no doubt. I was waiting for that part. I'm like, I don't, I think it's just it's going to be as big as you as you make it. And, and um, my last point is, um, you know, once everyone knows the Belfry's brand and everyone knows that these carts are everywhere, um, and it's it's a really well known brand. I'm going to start selling our artisanal sauces uh, as consumer packaged goods in grocery stores. I think that's the way to go as well because that's, I think, multiple you know streams how, of revenue. Yeah, you know how like Chick Fil A sells yeah. in grocery stores now, so yeah. that, yeah, so that's. And uh, I don't know if you guys, you don't have them in New York, but in Colorado, there's a company. Oh, it's like a steak burger. I can't remember the name of the company right now off the top of my head, but they sell their fry sauce. They have a spicy fry sauce and a regular fry mm-hmm. sauce, and they sell it in their stores and um because they can get a basket of their fries and then just get a freaking whole like 16 ounce bottle but they also sell it Mm -hmm. in retail as well often i can't remember the name off the top of my head since i'm not in denver anymore but a lot you're right a lot of these a lot of places are doing it and i agree with you Mm -hmm. that it is important to have multiple streams of revenue and if you have a good sauce and people can cook the fries at home you know that's pretty cool too you know and we we sell our sauces in like take-home jars at the store um and people buy the sauce and eat them with all their snacks at home you know it doesn't just have to be the fries and i think it's i wonder if down the road people actually i mean a lot of people make their own french fries at home it'd be cool to have even here spell fries to your home if frozen with a sauce packet making experience Mm -hmm. and stuff like that i don't know but yeah that was that was another thought. Um, it's down the line. I haven't flushed it out yet. But. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're just so smart, and I think you're very intelligent, meaning you have the ability to change your own mind, which is great as an entrepreneur. And I just, I'm watching with like and cheering for you already. And I really want to get you back on a part two uh, with your business partner so we can do that. Yeah. And I'll just reach out to you and, and, and get that out there. But, Annalie, if there's anything else you want to say about your growth or anything you want to share with the audience, please do so. I mean, I'm going to give you the mic for a little bit. And if you want to share anything or you want to talk about any hardship that you think the audience might be able to grow from or whatever it is, I want you to be able to have the time to do that. Um, right now? <laughs> or not. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that like entrepreneurship is not for everyone and that's so totally okay um because it's a lot to take on and you need your own passion and ambition to do it because no one else is going to tell you what to do so you have to tell yourself like what to do every day um i don't know i i love the food and beverage industry I think that I have a great concept and brand and I think that I'm going to be able to scale it a million times um I'm confident in that but I'm also 
you know, I, I owe everything to my team and the people that have helped me get here um, and who have taught me how to be a good leader and have taught me how to navigate the hospitality industry. Um, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's a lot to come and I'm, I'm really excited for what the future holds. Where can the audience find you on social media, um, on the internet, and where are your locations, the addresses? Yeah, so our Instagram is bell, B-E-L dot fries, F-R-I-E-S. Um, and so we have a, we have a pretty strong online presence on Instagram. And then our website is bell, B-E-L dash fries, F-R-I-E-S dot com. Um, and our, our flagship location is 132 Ludlow Street in the Lower East Side of New York City. We're opening our second location at South Street Seaport in May. Um, and yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Annalie. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and I'm going to, I'll reach out to you as soon as we get off here, uh, with some dates for you to go through with your business partner. So the audience knows that we're getting on a part two. I'd love to hear your guys dynamic because I do think you're building a really, really cool business. And I don't think it's as imitatable or anything I think what you've done with who you are as an entrepreneur and your background that it is a totally unique concept in the world and I'm really excited about it for anyone in the odd oh sorry go ahead no no you're good no and um I appreciate you uh Annalie for taking the time to come on the podcast it really means a lot to me I appreciate it of course thank you so much for having me Uh, Very welcome. And I'm interested to hear how this story goes and your growth and how you get the trailer from China. That's going to be interesting if you do go that route. Anyone who's listening in, thank you guys. I love you guys. Also, if you get value out of the podcast, please give us a five-star review or the highest review you can get. Please also type in a review or share the episode. If you're fans of Anna Lee or Belle Fries, you obviously want her episode to do well. So share it, comment, um, five star it or whatever number of stars from whatever one you're listening to it's on um you can find us on shop uh spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts again you can find us on spotify or wherever you should grow yourself through podcasts and you can dm us at justin the food entrepreneurs and look up some of our content there as we start to populate our instagram page so thank you everyone for listening in and we're out